Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with today's episode of Scripture Uncovered. Over the last several weeks, we've been looking at some of the women of the Bible. And there are some wonderful women in the Bible. We looked at Deborah and Yael, and we spent two podcasts on Ruth. I love Ruth, one of my favorite books in the Bible. But today, I'd like to turn from the good girls of the Bible and look at some of the bad girls of the Bible. And I'd like to start with someone I think we all know, but we're going to know better today. And that is King Ahab's wife, Jezebel. Wait until you hear the story. After the death of King Solomon in 930 BC, civil war broke out, and the united monarchy that David had forged and Solomon had built collapsed. The ten northern tribes broke away and became the nation of Israel with the capital at Samaria, and the southern tribe of Judah was the southern kingdom of Judah with its capital at Jerusalem. The civil war went on for over 80 years. Up north, there were 19 kings. Down south, there were 20 kings. And I want to put in today to king number seven up north, King Ahab. I turn over to 1 Kings chapter 16 at verse 29. And let me read to you. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, down south, Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel up north, and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Ahab reigned as king from 874 to 853 BC. Now Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him, and that's saying a lot. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nabat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. So, as in Jerusalem we had the temple Solomon built for God, now, ten of the twelve tribes up north are worshiping Baal at the temple of Baal that Ahab built. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than did all the kings of Israel before him. And boy, that is saying a lot. But what about this Jezebel? What do we know about her? Well, let me turn over to chapter 21 of 1 Kings, and we'll look at an episode. Chapter 21, verse 1. Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden, since it's close to my palace. In exchange, I'll give you a better vineyard, or if you prefer, I'll pay you whatever it's worth. So Ahab apparently liked his gardening. He wanted a vegetable garden right near his property. 
But Naboth, no, Naboth replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. Why, this land has been in our family for, for generations. I'm, I'm not selling. So Ahab went home, sullen and angry, because Naboth the Jezreelite had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. Ahab went home, sullen and angry. Now, what kind of king is that? And when he gets home, what does he do? He lay on his bed, sulking, and refused to eat. He was pouting in his room. His wife, Jezebel, came in and asked him, Hey, why are you so sullen? Why won't you eat? He answered her, Because I, I said to Naboth the Jezreelite, Sell me your vineyard, or if you prefer, I'll give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I, I won't give you my vineyard. Jezebel, his wife, said, Is this how you act as king over Israel? You are such a wimp. Get up and eat. Cheer up. I'll get the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, placed his seal on them, and sent them to the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth's city with him. In those letters, she wrote, Proclaim a day of fasting and seat Naboth in a prominent place among the people. But seat two scoundrels opposite him and have them testify that he has cursed both God and the king and then take him out and stone him to death. So, the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth's city did as Jezebel directed them in the letters that she had written to them. They proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth in a prominent place among the people. Two scoundrels came and sat opposite him and brought charges against Naboth before the people, saying, This Naboth has cursed both God and the king. So they took him outside the city and they stoned him to death. Then they sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. Well, as soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, Get up, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite that he refused to sell you. <laughs> He's no longer alive. He's dead. And when Ahab heard this, that Naboth was dead, he got up, and joyfully went down and took possession of Naboth's vineyard. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. That's our famous oral prophet, Elijah, the great prophet of the Old Testament, the great oral prophet. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He's now in Naboth's vineyard where he's gone to take possession of it. Say to him, this is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, This is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. Ahab said to Elijah, So, you've found me, my enemy. I have found you, he answered, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. I am going to bring disaster on you. 
I will consume your descendants and cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave and free. I will make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nabat, and like that of Baasha, son of Ahijah, because you have provoked me to anger and have caused Israel to sin. Oh, and concerning your wife, that vile, loathsome Jezebel, the Lord says, dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. And dogs will eat those belonging to Ahab who die in the city, and all the birds of the air will feed on those who die in the country. Well, there was never a man like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by his wife, Jezebel. He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols like the Amorites the Lord had driven out before Israel. Well, that tells us something of the character of Ahab's wife, Jezebel. But now let's look at another scene that will take us even deeper into her distorted and vile personality. Turn with me to chapter 17 of 1 Kings. Chapter 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite, the Tishbite from Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So there's going to be a drought, a punishment brought upon Ahab and his vile, loathsome, and despicable wife, Jezebel. And then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kiriath Ravine, east of the Jordan. You'll drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kiriath Ravine, east of the Jordan River, and stayed there. And ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. Now, after a long time, in the third year of the drought, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18. The word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, Go and present yourself to Ahab. Now, all this time, for three years, Ahab has used every resource at his disposal to find Elijah. It's been a manhunt all over the country, but he can't find him. Now, go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now, the famine was severe in Samaria. No rain for three years, no crops, famine. And Ahab had summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of his palace. Now, parenthetically, Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, how about that? Jezebel, who supported the prophets of Baal, was killing all the prophets of God. So while Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, fifty in each, and had supplied them with food and water, all during the three-year period. Ahab had said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and mules alive, so we'll not have to kill any of our animals. 
So they divided the land. Now they were to cover Ahab going one direction, Obadiah in another. Now, as Obadiah was walking along, Elijah met him. Obadiah recognized him. He bowed down before him and said, Is it really you, my lord Elijah? Yes, it is, he replied. Go tell your master Ahab, Elijah is back. And Obadiah said, What have I done wrong that you're handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death? As surely as the Lord your God lives, there is not a nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. There's been a manhunt for three years. And whenever a nation or kingdom claimed you were not there, he made them swear they could not find you. And now you tell me to go to my master Ahab and say, Elijah's back. I don't know where the spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave. If I go and tell Ahab and he doesn't find you, he'll kill me. Yet, I, your servant, have worshipped the Lord since my youth. Haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing all the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, fifty in each, and I supplied them with food and water. And now, you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is back. No. He will kill me. Elijah said, As the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. So, Obadiah went to meet Ahab, and he told him. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. And when he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troublemaker? Elijah replied, I have not made trouble for Israel, but you and your father's family have. You abandoned the Lord, Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now, summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So while Jezebel was killing all the prophets of the Lord, she was supporting 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah in the palace. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and he said, How long will you keep hopping between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. The people said nothing. And then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets who eat at Jezebel's table. So get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves. Let them cut it to pieces, put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood and not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, Baal, and I will call on the name of my God, Yahweh, the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. That's a high-stakes game for Elijah. All the people said, What you say is good. 
So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, 450 of them, Choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Oh, Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. They did a hopping dance around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Oh, you better shout louder. Surely he's a god. Oh, maybe he's in deep thought, meditating or busy or traveling away on a trip. Maybe he's taking a nap. You have to wake him up. So they shouted louder. They slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here. And they came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Elijah took twelve stones, one from each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two seahs of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Four large jars. Now you might recall the wedding at Cana where Jesus turned the water into wine. There were six stone water jars of 20 to 30 gallons each. That's the kind of jar we're looking at here. So fill four large jars of 20 to 30 gallons each with water. Well, Where are they going to get the water? There's been a three-year drought. The only water, Mount Carmel, is on the ridge of a mountain range, and down below is the Jezreel Valley. There's one tiny river that runs through it, just one. But it's only a trickle because of the drought. Get four large jars, fill them with water, and pour it on the wood. So the men took the large jars, went all the way down to the Jezreel Valley, to that little trickling stream, filled the four jars, hauled them all back up the big hill, poured it on the altar, and Elijah said, do it again. Great. Back down they go. They gather more water, bring it all back up. Do it again, he ordered. They did it the third time. There was so much water over that altar that it ran over the sides, filled the trench. Everything was drenched. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and he prayed. And I can just picture him doing this, standing face toward the heavens, arms extended, thinking all the while, Lord, you better come through now. Oh, right now. And he said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. 
Answer me, O Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And with that, from a clear blue sky, fire fell from the Lord, (laughs) burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, licked up the water around the trench. There was nothing left but a crater. And when all the people saw this, they fell flat on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Elijah said, You're darn right. And then he commanded, he commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal, 450 of them. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slit their throats. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink. I hear the sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees, prayed like mad. Go look toward the sea, he told his servant, toward the Mediterranean. He went up to the top of the mountain and he looked. Nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, I I see a cloud, a tiny cloud, as small as a man's hand, rising on the horizon of the Mediterranean. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. There is going to be a tremendous storm. Meanwhile, The sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain came on, and Ahab, in his chariot, galloped off toward Jezreel. Terrified, downhill he goes, down to the valley, cracking the whip, 25 miles. Terrified as the wind blew and the rain came down, and then the power of the Lord came upon Elijah. And he tucked his cloak up into his belt. That is, he left everything from his belt down naked so he could run fast. And he, having been fed by ravens morning and evening for three years, skinny little legs, bony arms, with his cloak tucked up under his belt, butt hanging out, ran alongside the chariot. And then got out ahead of the horse, and ran all the way to Jezreel. That is a spooky scene. But Ahab brought bad news to his wife. Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword, how he had slit the throats of her 450 prophets. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow you're not a dead man. Elijah, who confronted the 450 prophets of Baal, Elijah, who never backed down from anything, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. Elijah, who didn't back down from anything, was so terrified of Jezebel that he ran for his life 
all the way to Beersheba, way down in the southern part of the Negev. And he sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm done. And then he fell asleep under the tree. Well, that tells you something about Jezebel. Even Elijah, the great prophet Elijah, was terrified of her. Well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. But we're going to pick up on Wednesday and see what happens with Jezebel. So blessings to all of you. Bye-bye now. <music>